Hello and welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gosowski and I'm here with the best co-host in the world, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you today? Good, how are you? Oh, not too bad. Good. So you're all listening to us through either the iHeartRadio app or via RadioRegion.com. Welcome. We're going to talk about uh, a festival that's that's quite young in Toronto. It's um, It's only been a couple of years. But I think already it's oh no it's eighth eighth already eighth that's, already wow, that's yeah yeah really fast it's so but you know it's still kind of youngish mm-hmm. but still I just watching the, the selections that I watched this year I decided like this is an absolute must festival this is uh, full of the kind of films they're short but it's the kind of talent new talent new voices that you really this is what makes filmmaking exciting this is what makes the film community and um festivals in toronto just so exciting is this kind of a festival and it like i said it's great because it's short like shorts which is a great introduction to to an artist but it's also often a great opportunity for that artist to find a first film maybe like find their voice and the the range of topics that are covered, um, these are women filmmakers. So, you know, it's, it's really a lot of women, um, like I said, emerging women. And so that is also something, you know, get to see uh, at a lot of festivals. A lot of them are aiming for 50-50. But I think it's sort of made up now. Like, here you go, 100%. So these are... You know, emerging women, trans, and non-binary directors, and yeah, it's really exciting. So, it's it's over two nights, June the seventh and June the eighth, and uh, the programs are running at the Royal Cinema, which is you know, what Clinton and College Street. Yeah, Clinton College. Yeah, around Bathurst. Very nice theater. Yeah, it's a great theater. It's centrally located. Really, there's no excuse. And so we're going to talk about some of the films. And um, so I'm going to you know, start with uh, a couple that are playing on June 7th. And these, uh, I don't know if they have a theme, like a theme, you know, that kind of, uh, but they're all kind of in the same evening. So I, I think that there is something, this kind of, um, this, this insight that we get, you know, into different women's experiences. Yep. Um, that's running throughout on June 7th. And I'm going to start with a film called Mahalia Melts in the Rain about this timid nine-year-old black girl, and she's taking ballet class. And, you know, so ballet class, it's, you know, everybody looks the same, and everybody's, like, being a ballerina, and it's all very, you know, disciplined. Everybody's behaving, and everybody's doing the thing, right? But... Mahalia, even in her timidness, she feels like there's something different because the, all the girls are white and they comment on her hair. And the mother, you know, sees this and says, okay, so when the big photos for the ballerinas are getting, going to get ready, we're going to get, take you to the hair salon. And so Mahalia is very excited. She's going to go to the hair salon. She's going to get her hair, hair straightened. And this is the first time. And she feels like, you know, 
Nobody's going to comment on her hair anymore if her hair's is as straight as everybody else's. And the film has this fantastic way of getting inside this little girl's head and helping us to understand the inner and the outer implications of what's going on, you know? Um, because, you know, watching her in the salon, I felt a lot of tension, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is just because it was all very quick and tight and this little girl and all these adults and, you know, and then she gets this young girl who's not really paying attention and I'm like, but the child has chemicals in her hair and like, you know, and I don't know anything about, you know, having my hair straightened. So I don't understand the situation. So it might even be different for me that way. Right. Um, and then the the film has it's you know it's short and it has this brilliant way of showing us the irony of things you know how you have this sort of disciplined atmosphere of the ballet classroom uh, but you have this spirit that, that nine year olds are all going to have which is like to run wild but things change once Mahalia has her hair straightened and what are the implications of that and you know how does she feel. Mm-hmm. So I just, it was such a powerful short little film, and I, I hope, you know, everybody has a chance to see Mahalia Melts in the Rain. Oh, that sounds fascinating. Yeah. I yeah, to that one. Yeah. And on the other side of things, can I just... Go uh, ahead. The, um, <laughs> on the other side of things, from the, the timid, very young uh, girl to, you know, some very uh, confident women trans women who have to be very careful in their lives as as all trans women have to be because of things that go on but they want to carry on with their life and so this this is uh actually a web series and it's called femme queen chronicles and this is episode one so it's just a snippet but it's a really telling snippet because of the relationships between the women and there's actually, they're all aiming for, for one event, which is a birthday of one of the group. Um, and as you see that, you see little snippets of daily life. And sometimes they're more complicated, um, like getting a cake for the birthday girl. Oh, okay. And, you know, the, the white baker doesn't really understand how you spell <laughs> the black woman's name Mm -hmm. she gets it wrong and she's like i don't care pay me me for the cake yeah you know things like that 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 are really telling but but it's not like as um like mahalia melts in the rain is a little heartbreaking and this is a little bit more like these women you know they're tough and and they know how to strike back Mm mm-hmm in a funny way. Like, there's nothing menacing about the women at all. They're, they they want to have fun. They want to have this birthday party, and they want to have fun, and nothing is going to stop them. So there's that spirit that goes throughout this film that I just absolutely adored. Oh, that's another good one. Yeah. Uh, the one I will mention, and it's a little more introspective. It's, it's pretty short for a short film, but it's called One Versus One, and the us part in the verses is is bracketed in the title so it's very much a introspective type of film and it's all about this young woman and you're essentially hearing her inner monologue with herself and as she's going about her day and you see her kind of sitting in the bathtub thinking and then going to the field and digging up stuff it's all a deep look into womanhood what it's like to be an immigrant in society, 
the the pressures on on young women to look and act a certain way just a a bundle of of emotions that a lot of young women have to deal with all comes out in this film and it's it's done in a very interesting way like it, the the layout of it kind of feels like a a student film in terms of just the type of shots they use but not in a bad way like i know sometimes that gets a negative conversation but just in terms of it's just a very artsy interpretation of this mm-hmm. and it's but it's very neat and compact so you're you're left with a lot of questions but in, in a good way and it sounds very powerful i don't know if i'd say Does it was it- so powerful i just say it's very interesting okay. um, it's it is it's a good film but i i wouldn't say that like you know it emotionally hit me to the core it, it was more just one of those intellectual oh you know that's something to think about or mm-hmm. that's a very interesting way that you know that you angle that shot while talking about this particular theme interesting I didn't say anything artsy like that, but mm-hmm. I, I saw things that made me think a lot. Um, there's a film called Joe, and it's about uh, the acclaimed Canadian writer Joe Jefferson okay. and their partner and their child. And so it's 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 a film that's very casual um, in its its approach. It's uh, it's not very artsy, you know. So in contrast to what you were saying, it's just very straightforward. But really, that's great for the subject matter because it lets you get... It's very intimate, right? Joe is just very honest and the, and the entire... Oh, well, except for the baby. <laughs> it's very honest. Mm-hmm. But I guess the baby is, is honest in their own way, right? Um, about, about what it's like uh, living, you know, a non-binary life and raising a child in a non-binary way as well. So, you know, there was the question of, you know, does this child have two moms or, you know, and Joe being, you know, non-binary wasn't comfortable with that. So Joe is the baby's Joe. Yeah. And, you know, and it, it sounds so simple, but really what you, what, when you get in there and the flow of their lives together, it's so calm and it just... It's so, it's a nice place to be. You know, it's a place where, like, the idealist in me was like, I want to live in that kind of world. I want to, you know, have them as neighbors and live with that, you know. It seems like, from the sounds of it, uh, most of the challenges would be from the outside world. Yeah. Because, like, they've they've got their system, they're flowing as as the unit the way that they should be flowing, but it's getting everyone else around them to respect the way that they are flowing as a union opposed to telling them well you know how do i define this this should be defined as that right yeah yeah absolutely yeah so actually the the three that i've spoken about so far you know, is mostly you know how about people how they nav- navigate their specific worlds mm-hmm. and within the outer world and sometimes the outer world understands and no, well actually no the outer world doesn't understand but it's a matter of how these people like joe Joe and their partner and their ba- they just carry on. They don't care, mm-hmm. you know. And and just like when I was talking about Femme Queen Chronicles, they they see it, they 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 experience it, but they don't care. And you know, back to Mahalia Milton the Rain, you know, she's she's just coming into awareness of you know how nobody really understands, like the kid, her kids, like her friends don't really understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the kind of context that Joe is working in. It's, yeah. it's a really great film. Uh, I'll take us to an animated one. Uh, it was the, one of the few animated ones that I that I watched of the the batch, and it's called Not Your Panda. 
And it's a really fascinating film that, I guess, uses the panda as a metaphor for life and, and race relations in general. So you see, you know, when you, see, when you think of a panda, you've got like the kind of cuddly image that we're sold. And in this film, it kind of goes through different stages of a panda's life throughout history. So it shows like how they're essentially being commodified at one point, um, how, you know, hunters were going after them and killing them to how, you know, I think it was the, the British thought that they were so revered and put them in zoos, like just the different stages and historical, how, you know, the panda was used to symbolize a certain thing when two, um, I guess rival groups were, you know, finding peace, like just the various stages. And it's, it's fascinating how it's done and the animation style is, is really great. And then after I, I was watching and I started thinking a bit more. It's like, well, you know, even the whole, I don't know, not your panda. And then you start thinking about like the commodification of Asian culture and how there's certain expectations on how they should be and act. And just, there's a lot of layers that I did not expect out of this little animated film that you think at the beginning is going to just be a cute little tale about a panda. And it's actually really deep and uh, thought provoking. That's, um, yeah, that's, see, that's the best kind of film. Mm -hmm. Short, deceptively simple and yet layers i mean that's that's the ideal of every film but really when when you can do that in a short Mm -hmm. i think that's a certain kind of genius you know that's a special kind of genius um yeah there's a lot of uh, i mean in terms of like how do i move on to the next one for me after after that i'll just i'll use the animation through line okay um because there's a film that i saw that has animation to enhance the live action which i always find uh, incredible because when animation to me is is a way like to tell a life story um where you can really get into the inner world because animation you can you can do anything you can depict anything you can depict a person's ghosts or or their inner demon whatever and when you you put that with live action shots, it's like it, it can enhance. Like the, the the live action has a way of drawing you in. And in this case, it's the filmmakers like an ex, in extreme close up, talking to you, right face to face. Like this, she's she's talking right at you on the screen, and uh, so the camera goes or the sh- the film goes in and out of that shot into other live action shots but also puts in some animated shots which sort of enhance in a in a really important way some of the things that she's telling and her story is actually it's heartbreaking oh i and think i not, know which one you're talking about it, i think i saw that one as well love starved love love starved uh, more than fat more than fat yes it yes broke my heart and it should it should break my heart it should break everybody's heart and I, this is like one of the most you have to see this film films that I have ever declared you have to see <laughs> because um, she's she's reflecting back on her own personal history and she goes through her journals which make it even more intimate you know and direct mm-hmm. what she's saying her artwork she goes over her family photos and she goes all and her, she has got her childhood records and what she's doing is she is tracing the history of her obesity 
and by going back to the records and the way the medical community uh, dealt with this baby and, you, you know, the, the language and the yeah. attitude was, well, this baby's chubby. And then, oh, this three-year-old's obese. And you know, she's, she, you know, she's talking to us and she's saying, but nobody, like, they just said obese. That's all. They just put this label on this child. They didn't do anything. And then goes to the roots of the, what was going on in the family at the time. And that it keeps coming back to her face. Mm-hmm. And she, she's got this incredible capacity to at first be be so candid, like in a way like she's talking to you like you're her friend, right? And she's she's just telling you these things and sometimes she's self effacing and funny. And then as the story progresses and she starts to lose it's almost like when she loses control of and, and gets overwhelmed by her weight problems because it's taken so long and everybody's ignored it for so long she then gets to a point where you can see the effect on her in the like full on extreme close up and the progression of it i don't think i've given anything away because you can't really judge this film until you've seen it and it's so incredibly powerful yeah. and her, the bravery of this individual and, and it's an absolutely necessary story it's an absolutely necessary way of saying why is it still okay to just label people as obese and write them off and have certain like words that you use or certain things that you just expect them, you know, lazy and like all these negative connotations where it's like, it's not that. And it's not that simple anyway. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you say, you know, you know, with, you, it's a film that you can't judge until it's being seen because this whole film is about judgment. Exactly. And yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the varying levels. And as you said, she's diagnosed, at age three, but there's nothing ever put in place. And then as things progress and the weight um, gets added on as she's getting older, as you said, there's there's other factors that lay into it. Some of it's health reasons. Some of it um, has to do with family. There's just a lot of things at play. And at no point is anyone who's providing criticism or ridicule actually offering any forms of suggestion or help, you know, and that's key with her doing filming the, the live action segments, as you said, in extreme close up, she's forcing the viewer not to look away. Like you have to, you have to look at her and hear her. And it's a lot tougher to, make fun to ridicule to pass judgment when you're staring someone right in the face mm-hmm. it's easy if you're doing it online or if you're you know in a classroom where you've got 20 or 30 other kids that will laugh along with you but when it's that kind of one-on-one yeah. encounter it really puts in it's, it's fascinating because you think about when she says you know what gives people the right to quote unquote pass judgment and stuff and you think well, a lot of people do like it's Absolutely. It's it's, it's one of the things that's almost like body shaming. People are starting to talk about it more, but it's still one of the last things that refuses to to go. People still will will still accept the body shamer, even though what they're doing is is wrong. And no one ever questions why they just, you know, people automatically feel the need to give their opinion on her body and then, you know, walk away as if, well, I've given my opinion now now go on with your life and it's like but you don't even know me you know like exactly. what what gives you that privilege so it's it's very well done and 
her her use of animation is also interesting because you animation is one of those things that's also very time consuming depending on the style right. that you do and how you incorporate it but she i find she brings the right balance of it she, she doesn't go overboard with it no no but she just then just enough to to help keep the the film flowing yeah that yeah i absolutely agree mm-hmm. so what else um well keeping with the theme of judgment i'm going to talk about a documentary short called worst student ever and it's a film about um, this young man, I believe his name was Randall, who lives in Malvern, um, which, you know, has a, a bad reputation in, in Toronto for its poverty, for its violence. And at a young age, one of his teachers said that in, I don't know, how many years that she's been teaching, he's the worst student she ever had. And, you know, he was... He admits to being a little, I guess, rambunctious and stuff. But a lot of that also had to do with, like, his situation, his circumstances, things that were going on in his life. But it was also part of it was because none of his teachers actually talked to him in a, like, he was a human. Yeah. For him, his life changed when one teacher, you know, actually sat down and started asking him questions about him, about his life, what's going on, opposed to just assuming you know, you're a bad seed, what have you, you go in trouble. So he took that inspiration from that teacher and, you know, his love for, for writing and started a a poetry slash spoken word slash music um group in Malvern and it grew. I think I think they did it weekly and it it grew from like, I don't know, five, ten people to hundreds to you know, to the point where I think they're having they just had a <laughs> In the course of this film, I think it was their six-year anniversary, um, and you just had people from all over. There's one scene where there's a a rapper from Mississauga by the name of John River. We see him going to that event, and like you know, people would be coming from all over to take part in it. And it was just showing how he took something, you know, all the negative energy that people were throwing on him, and turned it into something positive that helped uplift the community mm-hmm. instead of people going oh well you know Malvern this or these there's no future he he put something in place that would help future generations and it's still thriving and of course there's funding issues there's a lot of you know real world issues that they have to deal with but their love the passion the volunteers that have all kind of come to it and also become a little family is is quite inspiring like what you know this guy who apparently was the worst student ever has turned According that around. To one teacher. <laughs> According to this one teacher, it's shown that you know you should never, never give up on no. any any student or kid. And if you know those who, especially, are the most problematic, sometimes you just you know need to figure out what the pro- what's causing the problem, opposed to just exactly. diagnosing it. It's so disturbing that a teacher would do that it, it, to a student. It's disturbing, but not surprising. There's a lot of wonderful teachers out there, but you know, I think back to even you know when I was in high school and stuff there was always one or two that for some reason i don't know if it's whatever's going on in their personal life but they just kind of wrote off kids before they actually got a really gave them a shot yeah um and and i said there's a lot of great teachers as you see in this film that you know they those that can reach those kids will help those kids thrive and you need more of those type of people in our education system absolutely and good for this guy for turning it around Mm -hmm. like Talk about an inner strength. And at a young age. Yeah. I think he's in his 20s now. Uh, don't but, quote me on that. But, uh, yeah. But he his, started when he was in, in high school, Yeah. Right? Um, and 
it's I think he created the Ry- Rise Edutainment, and they had their sixth anniversary in this film. So that's a, that is a very inspiring film uh, idea. Like the whole story mm-hmm. is very inspiring, and I'm I'm glad to hear it because I mean you know, look at the film that we were just talking about where you know everybody's writing her off. Yep, and she's doing something about it, and it's like uh, it's all this judgment in the world. It. Okay, so I'm not going to, the idealist in me is not going to continue on that note because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to get very morose about it, but <laughs> anything else? Well, I have one other one that I'll say to, to lighten the mood because um, we have had some heavy films. There's a film called Spooning, and it is a mockumentary um, about this actress who is playing the role of um, the spoon in Beauty and the Beast, the, uh, oh, right. the, the, the stage <laughs> production, and you're you're following her as she's getting ready, and you realize that she was so good at playing um, spoons that, in many ways, that became her niche, her career, and she got typecasted whenever they needed someone to play a spoon in a production. They hired her. <laughs> and uh, she, she, it, it, to the point where like she lives and breathes it so much, where part of her embraces the fact that you know she's the the best person to play <laughs> a sp- to play a spoon, <laughs> Any spoon. and she has all these uh, these ideas for like other plays and films and stuff that right. are centered around spoons. But then it also haunts her because in many ways that perfection has now typecasted her. So, you know, she doesn't look at cereal the same way. And like, there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of spoon related, um, commentary in this film that is quite good. And you, you, you think from the, the title and just the, the notion of it, you're like, Oh, okay, this, this thing cannot survive. It's running time, but it does. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely delightful. It's, it's delightful. By the end of it, you're like, Oh, that's, I would actually like to see more. I'd like to see another series with this with this particular character. <laughs> That's lovely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My inspiring film to end with is Homegirl. Very, very well done. Excellent film. Uh, it's about a woman, young woman named Roya, and she's a Muslim woman in Britain. Um, and when her mother passes away, which happens, you know, at the beginning of the film. Um, there's these conflicting emotions that she she feels, you know, because you know she's she's been in a relationship, in a lesbian relationship, which to any traditional culture is problematic, right? So she's got this tension between who she grew up, you know, the the culture she grew up in and the culture she's now, you know, she's a modern British woman, right? But she's got this background. So anyone who has, you know come from an old world kind of culture, you can sort of understand what happens, right? In all sorts of on different levels that there's a, like all this clashing going on, right? Um, but, the, you know, there's memories of her mother and, and it's, she's she's quite loving and it's, it's just sort of like that Roya feels this tension about hiding a part of herself, you know, hiding a part of her, her reality. And then it's like the film is, is, is brilliant the way it's episodic and sort of cryptic at the beginning. And then it sort of unra- un, not unravels, but it sort of opens up. Mm-hmm. And um, you start to follow something seemingly simple that, that she's doing. And what she's doing is she's unwrapping this, uh, this, this gown that her mother had bought for her wedding. 
Oh, okay. You know, like a traditional mm -hmm. gown that her mother had bought for her wedding, like as they're going through, her and her brother are going through the stuff. And then, um, and so like, everything's in tight close-ups. And so, you know, you feel that culture clash and that sort of like, uh, you know, when children and parents, you know, the children are afraid the parents really disapproved of them or would have disapproved of them, that kind of thing. Yep. And then how it ends up opening up uh, into a realization that her mother loved her more than she, she realized. realized. Interesting. Yeah, so it's it's uplifting that mm -hmm. way because it's just got this glorious ending. Oh, that's a that's a good note to end on. Oh yeah, yeah, Homegirl. It's a beautiful <laughs> film. So many beautiful films. So uh, that's that's uh, quite an array of films we've given you. Yeah, we've barely cracked the surface of what's playing at this festival. So there's plenty to see. Absolutely, and uh, like we said, uh, June. So tomorrow. Yeah, June seventh. Friday, Friday, June seventh. And uh, Saturday, June 8th, at the Royal Breakthroughs Film Festival. And it's the only festival in Canada devoted exclusively to short films by emerging women, trans, and non-binary directors. And go to Breakthroughs Festival. No, sorry. I'm going to try that again. Go to BreakthroughsFilmFestival.com to get advanced tickets. Yep. Otherwise, get over there quickly. I'm sure it's going to sell out. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a very fun two days. Absolutely. So, yeah, don't miss it. Okay, I guess that's it for Frame Life for this week. Yes, thanks for listening.